All right. Uh, welcome to this week's podcast. Um, I'm Dave Johnson, Johnson Marquez Legal Group, managing partner. With me today is Heather Coleman, one of our associates. Say hi. Hi, everyone. Uh, today we are talking about uh, supervised parenting time and visitation. Um, it's a kind of a hot topic, and uh, you hear a lot about supervised parenting time in a lot of different contexts. For example, you know, uh, abuse and domestic uh, or uh, uh, substance abuse and domestic violence and things like that, right? Yeah, I would say those are the, those are the main ones. Right. Um, you can also have it because you've been out of contact. Um, with the child for a long time and they're going to reintroduce the child and they kind of want to see how the child responds, mm-hmm. right? Correct. Um, typically, do you see supervised parenting time arrangements to be a temporary arrangement or is this something that is going to last forever? Yeah, I mean, it's usually temporary. Um, it's very unusual that it would last indefinitely. I mean, I think what we see most often is you know, a period of supervision and depending on how that goes, then moving to unsupervised parenting time after um, you know, anywhere from a few weeks to a few months, like two years. Yeah. Okay. So this this uh, supervised parenting time that is uh, usually of um, limited duration. How does it come about? Why do people come to us looking for it or uh, being subjected to it? Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of concerns that can pop up, and sometimes it just it is not safe to have a certain parent in a child's care unsupervised, at least for a period of time. Um, and everyone can see how supervised parenting time goes. This comes up most often with substance abuse, whether it's drugs or alcohol, um, domestic violence, um, allegations of sexual abuse, um, and also just when a parent has been not a part of a child's life for a really long time and you kind of don't want to just throw them back together like nothing happened. Right. Um, and then let's talk about those uh, one at a time here. What about uh, um, who, who does the supervision, first of all? Um, it can be a, a few different things. So either um, there are there are centers actually that provide they just provide supervised parenting time. Um, one of these is the Carlos Center. It's in the Denver metro area, um, and they're a facility that offers uh, supervised visitation. And usually somebody is you know obviously somebody's going to be watching it in like a like a playground or like a play setting. Um, or you guys can agree upon a third party. Sometimes um, a therapist or just someone that you know their job is to provide supervised visitation um so it's usually some sort of mental health professional or at least a mental health setting um it's or you guys can agree that it's just going to be you know an agreed upon third party like a like a grandma or a grandpa someone like that well obviously i mean those are pretty two two pretty different uh, (laughs) scenarios right you have the the mental health professional who's trained to do this does this all the time and then grandma um right so um what uh, what kind of distinguishes what kind of uh, factors would distinguish which one of those would be appropriate in, for supervision? In right. A case? I mean, I think when there's probably less concern um, over a parent and their child being together, then it's okay to agree uh, to agree to just a you know mutual third party. Um, I think that's more appropriate, kind of just when um, parents and child haven't seen each other in a long time. You guys are getting uh, reintroduced to each other, so maybe. Um, you guys all go to a park and um, you have grandma just kind of watching, making sure everything goes okay and that the child feels okay. Um, but I mean, if there's really serious concerns about alcoholism, things like that, then you probably want like a mental health professional. Yeah, I often, you know, when somebody has substance issues or alcohol issues, the supervisor, the identity of the supervisor is really a tough call mm-hmm. because you can't say to someone, never drink, you know. 
Um, you can only really say to someone, don't drink around your kids. Don't be intoxicated around your kids, right? Right. Don't drink around kids. And also don't drink, you know, even like 48 hours before you see your kids. Right. And so if you have the supervisor, if, the, if that supervisor is somebody who can kind of at least initially ascertain whether this person is intoxicated or has been drinking um, or make sure that they don't drink, um, that person could be an appropriate supervisor, like a grandma, you know, I mean, yeah. a grandma might be an okay supervisor, but then for somebody who suffers from alcoholism, but then you would also have an appropriate supervisor, a mental health professional, if that person, if the situation warrants it. So it could be either one of those, even in, an, in a situation where the per person abuses alcohol or drugs. Right. right. Yeah. I agree with that. Okay. Um, so what does a supervisor do? I mean, do they sit there and take notes and sit over your shoulder and, you know, direct the, the parenting time? I mean, what role does a supervisor play? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess every, everyone's probably a little different, but I mean, generally, um, they, at least initially, they are going to be taking notes. Um, they're going to be, you know, they don't want to direct you as to what to do because then it feels too scripted, um, but they're just going to sit back and they're just going to see how you guys interact. Um, they're not really going to be looking over your shoulder. They're but they, they, you know, it might be uncomfortable because they're going to be in the same room, um, maybe with like a clipboard taking notes. Um, but I mean, you just have to act natural and act how you would um, around your child normally. And so what they're going to do is sometimes they produce a, a supervision report. It can be, um, it can be pretty detailed. It can be a few pages, or it can just be a few pages of notes. Like, okay, they ate lunch together, and then they went to the park. Um, but they're going to be pretty hands off. Right. And they, they don't have to take notes. I mean, when somebody becomes a, you know, a supervisor, a parenting time supervisor, again, it could be grandma and she's not going to be required to take notes. Right. 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 Um, but oftentimes in the professional setting, like at the Carlos Center, what are, what are some of the other centers that you've worked with? Um, there's a place called the Family Tree. Um, the Carlos Center is probably by far the biggest one, though. It's, um, I'd, I'd say it's probably every judge's favorite center. To yeah, use. we kind of default to that one. Yeah. Um, the uh, the role of the supervisor in that setting is pretty formal. I mean, they they, um, they have rooms for the supervision because it, it actually occurs on site at mm -hmm. the Carlos Center, right? Right. Um, you can have supervised parenting time um, in your own home, though, right? Yeah. Um, and I think, um, I mean, there's definitely people that will, uh, you know, sort of contract with you so that they come to your house. So say you have supervised parenting time like every other weekend or every weekend and someone will be coming to your house, um, just kind of seeing what you guys do. Um, again, maybe taking notes, maybe not. Um, so it can be either at a facility or at your house or in a public place like a park. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my uh, experience through clients who've had... Uh, supervised parenting time is it can be a pretty humiliating and disagreeable experience. Um, how do you how do you handle that with clients? How do you prep them for, you know, making sure that the visitation goes well? Right. I mean, it's definitely tough because it's I mean, it's awkward and it's uncomfortable and it's probably not what you wanted in the first place. But if you are in a position where you're being required to do supervised parenting time, then, you know, my advice is always just that you, I mean, you got to go to every session. Um, however much parenting time you're allowed during the supervision period, you got to make sure you do it. You got to make sure um, you're just being comfortable and putting your kids' best interests, um, you know, first and uh, making sure the visits go well so that um, whoever is supervising parenting time sees that there's progress and eventually you can get off of supervised parenting time. Great. Let's, ha let's talk for a second about what happens uh, if, like you said, you don't go to the supervised parenting um, time sessions or you show up 
intoxicated or under the influence of drugs, or you demonstrate aggression or anger toward the child. I mean, let's say one of these sessions goes really poorly. What happens then? I mean, it's going to set you back. Um, you know, a lot of times when we agree to or the court orders supervised parenting time, um, I mean, the number one thing they want to see is progress. And um, for example, maybe a court will order six months of supervised parenting time, and after six months, if things are going well, then you can move to like a dinner visit unsupervised. Um, but if things aren't going well or you miss the sessions, um, in some cases that can put you right back to square one. Um, some courts can order, you know, uh, it has to be six months of successful super, uh, supervised parenting time. And if some of it wasn't successful, you might be looking at another six month period. Yeah, like you said, it's progress, right? I mean, how many times do we say that in a, in a family law case where you know, people come in here and they've got some issue, either their own personal issue or the other side's issue, and um, they think that just because they have, you know, that they have an issue with alcohol, that they are going to never see their kids again, right? The courts look to progress, mm -hmm. um, progress in in um, your your steps to sobriety, progress in your treatment your treatment for drug addiction, um, progress in your anger management classes, whatever it might be, right? Yeah. Um, to see whether or not you are making the conscious effort to improve yourself for, for the um, benefit of your kids. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. It's not, it's not only um, whether supervised parenting time is going well, it's also whether you've been making progress, for example, in your alcohol treatment classes, in your management, therapy, whatever it may be. You have to be progressing towards turning your life around for your child. Right. Um, have you ever seen a case where it's just kind of indefinite supervised parenting time? Um, I, yeah, I have, <laughs> I have um, a couple of times. Um, I, I do recall in one case, um, the court ordered essentially um, indefinite supervised visitation at the Carlos Center twice a week. Um, I think the goal here was that, um, you know, that parents could eventually motion the court to have this restriction modified or lifted. Um, but at that point, it was indefinite. Um, I would say that's that's pretty unusual. I would say usually there's some sort of there's some sort of cap on supervised visitation, and then it's lifted as long as things are going well. Yeah, I think uh, you know the, the the goal with supervised parenting time is often to make everybody comfortable, mm -hmm. right? To make the kids comfortable, to make the other parent comfortable, to to give everybody a comfort level that progress is being made, and right. including the judge, because the judge is the one that's going to decide whether or not to lift the supervised parenting time requirement. Um, and they have to be comfortable with your ability to manage your kids successfully, right? Right. Um, so uh, how, uh, how uh, for somebody who doesn't have to go to court and file these motions all the time, um, your, your parenting time is being supervised by, say, the Carlos Center, um, and you have a six-month duration, right? You have six-month. Um, how does that typically, how do you get off of supervised parenting time? Yeah, I think, I think either um, it's going to be detailed in whatever your parenting plan orders are. Um, you know, uh, I guess that's the goal is that you're going to have really well-written orders that say, okay, after this period of time, if things are going well, um, then, you know, mom or dad will move to like weekend visits, dinner visits, whatever it may be. Um, but if that is not the case, then, I mean, generally you're going to have to file something with the court asking that that restriction is removed, whether it's 
a status report or a stipulation or a motion, um, something to let the court know that I am done with supervised visitation. The Carlos Center says it's been going well. What can we do now? Right. Uh, the, the best way to do it, though, I, in my experience, has been to build in stages, right? Automatically trigger the next stage. Right. So if you have um, attended all of your scheduled um, parenting time, supervised parenting time sessions, or even 90% of your parent, scheduled parenting time sessions, and there have been no issues, then you graduate to some unsupervised parenting time for a schedule or right. a period of time. And then if you successfully complete that and there's no issues, then you go to a complete unsupervised parenting time schedule, right? right. So those are automatic triggers that, that happen because you have met each, and you don't have to come back to court with that, right? Yeah, I mean, that's really good advice. You probably, I mean, most definitely, most situations want to have some sort of step-up plan involved so that it's not just, so that the future isn't so uncertain, so that you know after this, after you've been doing this for so long, if things are going well, then you're definitely moving to step two. I think, again, you know, the goal is progress, and um, it needs to be objective and verifiable progress, mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with going ahead and setting benchmarks for that progress. That gives the person who's subjected to the parent to the supervised parenting time some degree of hope and confidence that if they just do what they're supposed to do and make the progress that everybody hopes they make, yeah. that they will get back to regular parenting time with their kids, yeah, right? Exactly. So it, it, it actually by doing a staged parenting time, sometimes I think you 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 really using a carrot to get the the person if they really think that they want to spend time with their kids that carrot will drive them through the process more successfully. I right, think. exactly. So uh, any other thoughts about supervised parenting time or recommendations for people? I mean, my, yeah, my number one advice is if you have been ordered to undergo supervised visitation, um, no matter how uncomfortable it is or how much, you know, if you don't see any light at the end of the tunnel, um, you just have to, you just have to move forward and do the best you can, make progress, show the court that you're changing, you know, you're turning your life around um, and you'll get past that hump. All right, good advice. All right, that's it for today. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this week's Divorce Insight podcast. To get a copy of our free ebook, An Introduction to Divorce, click on the link below in the show's notes. Please contact our office for a free consultation. We're available to help you with any issue related to family law and divorce. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you stop by again soon. As a final note, please be advised that the information in this podcast is for general informational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast may be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. Please retain a lawyer for legal advice. This information is not intended to create and receipt of or listening to this podcast does not constitute an attorney-client relationship.